Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is God's word. Good evening, everybody. My name's Phil. I'm the associate vicar here. Let me pray and we'll look at God's word together and find the encouragement that it sounds like you lot need. (laughs) Father God, Father God, at the beginning of the year, we thank you that we have your word, a sure guide a lamp for our path. Help us to see the truth of what is written here, that we might live lives that matter and lives that bring you glory this year. Amen. Now, baked into human life is a once a 24-hour reset. A chance for a fresh start appears every time the sun rises or does whatever it apparently does behind the clouds that we've enjoyed for the last month or so. But we get this once a 24-hour chance to start again. And New Year, New Year's Day, is effectively that on steroids. And we long for fresh start. We long for a chance for hope and renewal. It's something that's deeply intrinsically human, which is why New Year is such a wonderful moment. Now, there's nothing either magical or particularly spiritually significant about New Year. But it is a time when the cultural wind is blowing us towards change and renewal and resolution and fresh habits. And so it's just sensible and wise that we take this opportunity to think about our lives and to think, okay, which direction do I want to go in 2022? We are at a fork in the road, the beginning of the year. And we have options of where we'll go, what we'll do. And Psalm 1 presents us with this fork, with this opportunity to change direction. It is an invitation for for fresh hope, (coughs) an invitation to make change. And as we'll see, though, it is a, it's not God giving us a set of spiritual resolutions for us to fail miserably at so that we can ensure we start 2022 with a healthy dose of uh, moral guilt and spiritual failure so we grovel our way through the year. Now, actually, at the heart of Psalm 1 is the call this year, come and live under the blessing of God. Come and know the blessing of having him smile upon you and watch over you. Come and know his blessing. It's the greatest blessing you can have. That's the call at the heart of Psalm 1. Okay, you'll, you'll see points on the, on the sheet. Uh, two ways. Your diet determines your direction. 
Uh, Two weights, the wrong diet will make you fade away. And two ends, the Lord will bring his people to eternal life. Let's start at the very beginning. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. How do you want to live 2022? When you imagine, where do you want to be 12 months from now? See, the vision in this psalm is the key to the life we want. Whether you consider yourself a religious person, a Christian, whatever, or not, This word blessed that appears at the very beginning of the Psalms, blessed, it's not a religious word. It means happy or or prosperous. It's it's saying, look, here is the key to the life you want, whoever you are. Uh, The kind of life that when others look back on the end of your life, they say, my goodness, was somebody ever looking over him? Someone was really watching out for them, weren't they? What a life. That is the path we're being called to walk in. And so these, at the beginning of this first psalm, we're told, look, if you want this life, the blessed life, the happy life, the prosperous life, well, there is a decision to be made. There are two ways to live, and you need to choose the right one. But interestingly, in a psalm which is all about pursuing the right path, it doesn't begin with commands about what you do with your feet or, or with your hands or your lips, stuff that we do. It actually begins with what you take in, your diet, the voices that determine your life, your influences. If you like, God's word says your diet determines your direction. The diet of of voices, opinions and values that we take in, they determine the direction of your life. Uh, Verse 1 lists the voices we shouldn't listen to, the foods to avoid this January. Blessed is the the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, I guess, kind of expect in the Bible to say, avoid the wicked, avoid sinners. But who are the mockers and why are they singled out? Uh, Why not abusers, racists, violent people, lecherous? Well, in the book of Proverbs, the book that comes after Psalms, the mocker is the absolute opposite of the person who lives by God's word. That's why. It's the person who, rather than listen to and live by God's wise guidance, mocks and ignores it in a hard and cynical way. The person who has a superior contempt and belief that our progressive values mean we can laugh, mock, judge, completely dismiss out of hand anything the Bible might say. The mocker in the Bible is the absolute opposite of the person who listens to God's words. That's why the mocker is is the final stage in verse 1. Okay, where do we encounter this mocker, the sinner, the wicked that we're supposed to avoid? A number of places. I mean, (laughs) sometimes it's real people. We're honest. If we want to follow God, for some of us, there are groups of influences in our lives we need to pull back from. Now, be careful. This is not, you must cut off those wicked non-Christians from your life. The Bible, the Bible says, the reason Christians who gather in church confess, we recognize we're sinners. Let's get that clear. 
And the Bible is very clear that if you follow Jesus, you need to make friends with all sorts of people. And we ought to be reaching out to those who, who don't know Jesus and loving them just as we love one another here. We should seek to be a blessing to wider society, not just to each other. We should have friendships with all sorts of people, according to the Bible. But where we find we're so shaped for bad by some people, we may just need to think carefully about how much time we allow ourselves to spend with them. We may need to spend a bit less time because we are shaped by community, by the company we keep. Look, it'd be easy to misunderstand that. Please don't mishear me on it. But we need to be careful. Secondly, it may be the ideas and values and opinions that come into us as we consume media. Not just the explicit messages. I mean, there's plenty of that, being told what values we should have and what opinions we should hold to. But also the stories that are celebrated and the behaviours that are just normalised. Just the the irresistible tide of of stories that celebrate being true to yourself and and following your heart as the only genuine way to live and the noblest path. Or the the way that hypersexualized dressing and behavior is just just standard. Those things, they shape us. In the Greek myth of Medusa, she was the, the terrible Gorgon, one of the Gorgon sisters, and her stare was so horrific that it would turn you to stone if you looked into her face. And without even realising it, it may be that the things we look at habitually on our smartphones are turning our hearts to spiritual stone. And we need to think about how we consume media this year. But actually the easiest thing to miss is that not all the wicked, sinful, mocking voices are outside me. Sadly, if I'm honest, the very worst influences in my life and the worst voices I ever listened to, they actually come from in here. And I'd be surprised if it's not the same for most of us. From listening to my own heart, my self-pitying grumbles, my God-denying doubts, my self-indulgent desires, my, well, just the self-absorption that thinks about me so much. I need to be careful not to listen to myself as much as perhaps I do. And note, uh, lastly, as we think about these voices, the progression from walking to standing to sitting. There is this increasing comfort and identification with influences that push against trust in God. It's a warning. If you are a committed Christian, you are unlikely to wake up one day and just decide, I think Jesus is rubbish and I should reject the Bible. Much, much more likely is just, just too busy with everything in London to, to, to be regular and committed with church uh, and too tired to really engage with, with the Bible, too distracted by the ping of notifications. It's not that I want to stop listening to God. It's just the work emails and the sports highlights and I just don't get round to it. And over time we find that the only voices we listen to are those who find Christian belief odd or even unhealthy. And a slow, subtle, deceptive degeneration of our faith begins to take place. We start to find the things that Jesus teaches in the Bible sound more and more odd, even outrageous to us. And eventually we find we are sitting on the outside 
rather mocking of the faith that we once owned. That's the wrong path. The right path, the right path, verse 2, is one shaped by God's word. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Okay, what's wrong with this statement? The alternative we are called to is to be rooted in God's word, to live a life shaped by the daily discipline of digging into God's word. What's wrong with that as a summary of verse 2? It's almost right. But if you read carefully, verse 2 doesn't call us to discipline, but delight. Uh, Listen to how David describes the word of God a couple of Psalms later in, in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. See, every morning as you and I wake up, we're faced with the choice of, well, these two things really. And what is on offer for us here in God's word is soul refreshment, wisdom that will always hold true, guidance that is righteous and good for us, words that are worth more than gold and that are sweeter than honey, and the path to eternal reward here. Well, here I tend to find airbrushed lives that make me feel discontent. Doom scrolling that just feeds my anxiety. Work emails that build my stress. Sexually provocative images that rot my soul and cat videos. Endless cat videos that just, the banality just dulls us to all that's rich and true and of value. Now, verse 2 carries on who's delighted in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night. Meditates, not a new separate thought, to delight. To meditate is to chew over, to think about, to mull on. Literally, it's the word for for mumble under your breath. It's like you do with song lyrics, that they just go round and round in your head as you hum them. It's why they stick in there. It's why I still know all the words to Vanilla Ice's classic 1991 hit, Ice Ice Baby. However... If you ask me about that, rather than someone after this, I reserve the right to punch you in the nose. um, We have more important things to talk about afterwards. But here's the link with delight. You meditate on, you think about, you chew over the things that delight you, that you love and enjoy. We meditate on pictures of the place we're going on holiday, we hope. We meditate on the words spoken or sent to us by someone we love. And the truth is that the more that I delight in God's word, the more I'll meditate on it, the more I'll spend time in it. Okay, what for those here who would say, look, I do read the Bible reasonably regularly, but I wouldn't say there's much delight as I do so. Two things. First, there is a difference between saying God's word is my delight and every single moment that I have a Bible open feels like delight. Ask a brand new parent what the greatest delight in your life is and they tend to say the newborn baby. Ask them at three in the morning when the baby is teething 
and won't sleep and won't let anybody else within a five-mile radius sleep, how do you feel right now? Are you full of delight? And they're unlikely to say yes. Just because something is the source of your delight doesn't mean every single moment feels the same. Secondly, delight requires discipline. What I mean is that you need to spend time in God's Word regularly if you're going to have times of delight in his word at all. I don't know anybody who feels delight every time they open the Bible. But the only people I know who feel delight, everyone I know who feels delight at some point with God's word, are people who have built the daily dogged discipline of reading his words, digging into his word each day. The discipline is like the plowing of the ground that allows the beautiful flowers to grow. And so if you read God's word daily, I cannot promise every time you'll feel the delight David spoke of in Psalm 19. But I can promise that if you read his word prayerfully every day, you will know times of real delight in his word. And as much as anything, allow this to shape how we read God's word. I guess it's normal for Christians to pray before we read. But so often I realize preparing this, that my prayers are only for understanding. God, help me understand your words rather than, God, help me delight as I learn more of you. This book is God's love letter in one sense to us. And so pray before you read. Pray for understanding, but pray the understanding will lead you to delight in the God who is revealed as your Father and Saviour in this book. Just, I do wonder, this is a slightly, I'm not so sure, but I wonder the, the parallel between Verses 1 and 2 makes me wonder whether actually verse 2 is not just me on my own, but the implication is just as there there is these people in verse 1 leading you away. So actually healthy engagement with God's words, it does also require other people. It's not just me on my own. I also need a community of people encouraging me to press on in God's word. And actually, we can serve one another in this tonight. In fact, I would encourage you the first question to ask people after their name. People you know, people um, tonight would be, what one step can you do to deepen your delight in God's word this year? Let's be a healthy community which helps one another follow and enjoy God. So there you go. The first two verses of the very first psalm warn us our diet determines our direction. So delight in and meditate on God's word so that you walk in his way. Secondly, two weights. The wrong diet will make you fade away. This uh, second couplet, verses three to four, it looks at the result in our lives if we live on a diet of God's word or if we're shaped by the values of this world. And what he says really is that a diet of God's word helps you put on weight. And that is a good thing, not just for skinny people like me. Verse three, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So to live by God's word is to be like a tree a tree planted by streams of water. Now, trees and streams of water are not just random images in the Bible. They're richly important ones. A tree's a a picture of God's people securely rooted in his place of blessing. And streams of water, especially Ezekiel 47 and John 4, it's the life-giving refreshment of God's Holy Spirit. But what's emphasized here in particular is that the person rooted in God's living word is is kind of 
planted and resilient like a tree. Not a flower that can be blown away by a strong wind or, or scorched by a drought. But a tree that's resilient. A tree that's well watered, so flourishing and full of life. And a tree that bears fruit, that is a source of blessing to other people. And whatever they do, prospers. Hmm. Really? Uh, so if I'm a Christian and I make an investment this year, it's going to cash in? Well, this is when it really, really matters that we understand how the Psalms point to Jesus. The whole Bible points to Jesus. And the Psalms do so in a number of ways. But the dominant one, the main way that the Psalms point to Jesus is that he is the, the first person who says the psalm and if you like we follow behind him we walk in his footsteps he is the one spoken of in verse one who doesn't follow the wicked but delights in God's word and so we take these psalms on our lips as we walk behind Jesus as we follow his back as he follows God and so his life shows us what does it look like to be a follower of God what does it mean to prosper in all we do <laughs> Well, Jesus' earthly life ended impoverished, rejected, misunderstood, and condemned. But seen from the perspective of eternity, nothing that Jesus did failed. All he gave himself to prospered and more. Nothing was fruitless or ultimately frustrated. And so too with us. When we root ourselves in God's word, we will prosper as the Lord Jesus did. Isn't that a vision of life you'd love to live in 2022? Resilient, like a well-planted tree, whatever the storms that blow in 2022. Watered by the refreshment of God's life-giving Holy Spirit. And bearing fruit, being a, not just hunkered down on my own, but actually a source of blessing to other people. Such a wonderful picture. What a contrast. Verse 4, not so the wicked. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. It's a deliberate contrast. Trees, the largest, the heaviest living organisms that the writer can think of. And chaff, it's the, it's the, the, the little husk that's wrapped around the valuable corn that when it's threshed, it just blows away in the wind. It's nothing. Where the tree is resilient, flourishing and fruitful, the chaff is dry, worthless and transient. It's a picture of a life weighed in God's judgment and found to be eternally empty. Nothing. I did some DIY a few months back. I'm very pleased with myself. The, uh, we bought a, um, an Ikea wardrobe. Other brands are available, but we bought um, and uh, I, I built it. And then realized very quickly that it wouldn't fit into the alcove because the walls were a certain width, but the skirting board, of course, so it, it didn't fit. But no matter, I built a plinth. I had to look up the word myself. The, uh, the plinth would raise it just above the height of the skirting board. I measured it twice, cut once, as my dad taught me, and I drilled it, got the wood cut, countersunk the screws so that the, the wardrobe could slide on it, uh, put the plinth in place, got the wardrobe, rocked it up, and then with a large grin on my face, celebrating my man skills, slid it smoothly back until it stuck halfway because the wall was bowed and it wouldn't move. <clears throat> a whole day of my efforts. And later that evening, 
the wood was chopped up and burned in the log burner. All of my hard work, just ashes. Hugely frustrating, a day's work. The warning here is that we can invest our entire lives working, giving ourselves our sweat, our toil, our plans, our efforts, our gifts. And on the day of judgment, it gets revealed to be nothing but ashes. Nothing but fuel for the fire of God's judgment. Sadly, many people, even many who follow Jesus, are laboring away at things that are nothing but fuel for God's fire. Things like a godless pursuit of career and relationships as the most important thing that squeezes God out. Come judgment day, they'll be blown away like chaff. And the truth is, as we look around the world and watch the news, there are some people whose lives seem to be making an indelible impression on human history. And come judgment day, they will be revealed as barely having existed at all. But the encouragement, if we root ourselves in God's word, if we live for him, we can live lives of rich, real purpose and value. It doesn't mean the only worthwhile life is, is one in full-time gospel ministry. It doesn't mean that at all. Of course, whatever our job, we will want to be about the business of disciple-making that Jesus calls all his followers to, seeking to tell others about Jesus and encourage others to follow him more closely. But it's also true that in all of our lives, in everything we do, as we seek to follow God, to listen to his word and obey him in work, in relationships, in friendships, in all that we do. Our lives have meaning and purpose and eternal value. So lastly then, two ends. The Lord brings his people to eternal life. Two diets leading to two directions, two weights, and at the end of the road, two very different destinations. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Our lives are heading somewhere. The journey is not everything. And we will spend so long in our eternal destination that this life will just, it will look like the blink of an eye in comparison. And either we are heading to eternal destruction or we are heading to the greatest party the universe has never known in God's people. Now, the final verses begin with the word, therefore, verse 5. And the point is that the eternal destiny is just an inevitable consequence of the path you pursue in this life. If my life is shaped by sinful influences, if my life is devoted to worldly priorities, if there is no concern for the things of God in my life, then I can only expect that I will end up in the place away from God. I love, though, the subtle difference between the two halves of verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. It should read, the way of the righteous leads to eternal life, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. But it, it doesn't say that. It says the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Reminds us, the ultimate hope we have, if we want to, 
if we want to be received by God and to join him in his paradise party is not that I will, I will get the discipline of Bible reading right. I will pursue God's path well and I'll keep going and I will make it and it'll be all right. It's, now, my ultimate hope is that God is watching over me and God will bring me safely home. And to be honest, this is why at heart to read God's word is to know delight. Because as we read God's word, it reveals to us a God who graciously watches over us. Better still, it reveals a God who welcomes even those who fail to follow perfectly, who forgives uh, those of us who are a lot more like the sinners of verse 1 than the righteous person of verse 2. And if we're honest, that's all of us. Who welcomes and helps those who are just too weak to keep choosing the right way on our own. Of course, best of all, The greatest delight of reading God's word is finding that the one man who perfectly lived out this psalm did not just walk the path straight to paradise. He turned aside to a very different tree from the tree of blessing in verse 3. He went to the tree of curse and was nailed to the cross so we could have access to the tree of life. See, at heart, this psalm is not so much a call, sort out your daily habits of Bible reading for 2022. I mean, it is that. Let's just be honest. There's no escaping it. This psalm does say, if you want 2022 to go well, if you want life to go well, you do need to listen to God's word. And that doesn't happen by accident. So it is worth talking, thinking, praying and planning how to get the habit going. But at heart, actually, this psalm is is more fundamentally, whose blessing do you want to seek in 2022? Everything I can grab with my hands, or do I want the Lord God watching over me? It's a call to enjoy the blessing of intimacy with your creator, to enjoy the closeness of walking with him as you follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ this year. And it asks each of us, Am I moving deliberately closer towards this richly generous God who is committed to my blessing? Or am I allowing myself to drift away? Jesus calls each of us tonight, listen to his voice and follow his ways. And what a privilege, what a privilege that is. And a relief that we can turn and face God at the beginning of this year and know that he is for us that he wants to bless us, that we can find delight in his voice, that we can find the meaning he alone provides, and we can enjoy the protection and the provision of having almighty God watching over our path. Whatever 2022 brings, he will be watching over us this year and all the way home. Make this God your God. Make this word your abiding influence. Make this year a year when you enjoy following him. Let's pray. Our Father God, thank you that we have this uh, this once in every 365 days special opportunity for a fresh start. Help us, we pray, to turn to you this year, to begin by listening to your word, to continue it following your ways. And we pray that our eyes would be fixed on your eternal destination, 
the paradise party that the God of delight promises to all his people. Help us, we pray, to trust in, to delight in, to enjoy you and to follow you this year. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.